Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. get this show on the road welcome back to the outdoor drive podcast this is your boy trev and steven what is up steven how are things man they're slow lately man yeah i know a lot of miles oh i know it's crazy it's like you know at the end of the night we're like slugs uh we both just had the off-air conversation about how we're both just so darn beat and it's it's all for good reason, man. Um, how many miles you you put on some serious miles already this season? Yeah, right now I'm teetering around that seventy five mile mark and uh, showing significantly less than I have the last few years. It's been odd. Yeah, but, it's been a complete struggle this year. Well, I don't know. You guys seem to have been having some uh, recent luck up there your way. Well, it's starting to turn. I mean, we're probably, I bet you I'm a little bit more than 100 miles at this point. Um, I know I don't look like I did 100 miles, but I definitely <laughs> did. Um, it's just, it's been a fucking struggle, man. It really honestly has. I was just actually looking at the shed collection for this year. Um, I'm going to count real quick. I'm at, I just cracked 10. So today I cracked 10. Um and that is not normal for me. I should be double that by now. Oh, I hear um, you. I think my pile is at six, and only three of them are this year's. And usually I'm around 36 by now, so I don't get it. Wow, man. Yeah, it's, it's totally nuts. And it kind of pissed me off because so my shed partners, they have been picking up hammer after hammer after hammer after hammer. And I'm just like so upset. And dude, I couldn't break anything more than probably what would be off of a deer of probably 80, 90 inches. Um, and it's been just miserable, dude. And I'm walking with these guys and I'm picking up a spike horn, if anything. 
And these guys, I dude, my buddy Jeff just picked up what we scored out with an 18 inch spread would be a 133 um, eight pointer. And the palmation on it was just an absolute fucking hammer. Um, it just like flattened out as it went up uh, towards the towards the tip. Just an absolute slammer. Hit probably his biggest uh, set to date. Um, a couple of my other buddies, my buddy Mike. They, I mean, they're just picking up set, set, set. He just broke uh, set number fifteen um, today, and. It's just it's so nerve wracking, bro. It just pisses me off more than anything in the world because normally I'm pretty much on top of my game, you know. And I always get to be able to get the miles more in, but him. But so you got up, you got into it pretty dirty this past weekend, also. Yeah, we got shed rally and everything going on this weekend. So in regular normal time, this is the fifteenth of March. So on podcast land, a couple weeks ago, and. Took the wife out, hit a spot that I, mean, I know there are piles of big deer. Watched them all season. I've got camera pictures of them everywhere. And we hit beds, we hit ridges, we hit fields, field edges, creek bottoms, marsh bottoms, pine groves, cedar groves, and didn't find a damn thing. That's bullshit. I mean, it's it's nuts. I get it. Um, I hate it. I swear they're still holding here in Virginia. Like, if you're finding them, it's odd right now. I'm not talking to anyone around here that's finding much of anything. Johnny was talking to him. They've had no luck south of me. Uh, just, it's crazy. Yeah, that is nuts, man. I, and honestly, we were the same way up until about this week. Um, now we're starting to see fresh ones. We're starting to see good drops. Shit is finally hitting the ground. And at, at first, I mean, it hadn't been like that, man. Um, and it's kind of crazy is because the turkeys are strutting everywhere. Everything is just right and full plume. Everything is budding. Like, it is just a weird, weird year. Um, it's it's just insane. And today, today we took a boat ride across the Bering Sea to Nova Scotia. Um, <laughs> and uh, to a disclosed um island uh that we actually hunt and we got on on the land um my buddy mike had been goose hunting there um in during the waterfowl season and actually picked up two sheds while he was doing that that was january 16th so we decided we let them all drop and then you know they were holding for a long time so we kept pushing it off pushing it off pushing it off um so we got to be able to get onto the island and i my first one was a fresh uh big two uh drop and I was pumped, dude. Still had wax on it. I'm like, all right, dude, it's on now. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm gonna take it back a little bit. The first thing that I found was a duck skull, uh fully intact duck skull. Um, and if anybody knows me, I'm fucking crazy for skulls. So to find that, I knew that was a bingo day. As soon as I got off the boat, uh in the first little kind of like shitty clearing, um, there was a duck skull. So I knew it was gonna be a killer day. Went up the ridge into some bedding on uh, some thick shit. This is like the Amazon where we are. I mean, it's like undergrowth, nasty, gnarly. And it's not the little prickers. It's the big prickers. And they beat the shit out of you. So what was 15, 20 miles today was probably 50, 60 miles in my in my legs. By the way, um, you're going to fill it in the morning. Oh, I'm going to cry in the morning, actually. 
<laughs> it, was, it was fucking miserable, dude. Because when so we went on one side of the island and then we decided to go on to the other side um, and come in from the other way. And I didn't even want to get out of the boat. I really just didn't want to get out of the boat. I just wanted to sit there. It was fucking miserable. It, I was just beat, man. We went and got wings um, and it was just it was horrible. I didn't even want to be there. We were drinking beer and I had one and I'm like, this sucks. I just want to go home. Yeah, that's how um, I know you were done. <laughs> yeah. you, you're never feeling good when you don't pick up a beer. I've learned that in the last few trips. When you say, now, nah, man, I don't want a beer, I go, okay, you're hurting. Yeah. So I the, so I went up into the bedding, some gnarly shit, finally found uh, the first drop. So I was like, all right, this is a good day. Wax on it, the so, so on and so forth. Um, and I worked my way down. And I got into a clearing of cedars, and I found my second shed of the day, uh, and was a spike horn, and that was pretty quick, right off the bat, probably within 150 yards of each other. So I was like, "All right, dude, it's on now." And this place is loaded. I mean, let's not—I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This place is loaded with fucking deer, um, but not a lot of big deer. The genetics are kind of a little bit on the smaller side. So I hiked pretty much probably for another two hours with nothing but tons of sign. And I was, you know, I probably walked by something, but I really didn't know. And I came out of uh, like a scrub brush, like clearing into another cedar patch. And I go to go in and I look down and it's like a T intersection of what looks like a cow pasture where the, the, the deer are just running constantly. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like that darker feel. And I turn to my right and I look down and there was a stud four drop there. Um, and so when I mean stud four drop for this area, this is a fucking stud. I mean, this is like the holy grail, like Iowa giant for our area. Um, and to see that was was wicked cool. So I was able to pick that up. I scoured that area all day long looking for the other side and could not find it. But I mean, it could be anywhere in there. It's one of the most miserable places that we go ever. See, and that's um, something that I've noticed over the last few years is when you find that one giant side that you would die to have the other side for, you can never find it. I mean, you can hike for miles and circle this thing for a thousand yards and you never find it. Or you find them both together. You yeah, never seem to find a side, walk 300 yards, and there's the other, at least not in my case. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, like the other day um, when Jeff had found his, he had found one side, and I was like, bro, I said, there's no way we're going to find this other side. So we all gathered together, three of us spent like 25, 30 yards apart and started walking, and um, we finally ended up coming he walked to my right hand side and I hear him screaming and I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I couldn't believe it. But 25, 30 yards apart, he found the other shed. I couldn't believe it. It was mind blowing. It wasn't together. They were definitely apart and in the same block of woods. Jeez. So it was definitely badass to find. Well, I'm glad you have better luck than I do. Ugh. Man, I know I keep waiting. Well, you got one really good shed, dude. You that was like, you know, the shed that you got is like going to the river and casting in and catching a fish on the first cast. That's like a big fucking no-no. And you kicked <laughs> off the season like that. dude. I thought I was in for like the season of a lifetime when I walked up on that thing. And since then, well, I can't say that. I 
couple days later, went out and found that match set on the field edge in a bed. So, you know, I was jacked up. I was like, all right, we're on track. And it's been dead flat since. Yeah, so. see, it's crazy. Well, we'll see what the season ends up bringing, man. I know it's in, and like I said, dude, like, you know, you know, when you go up to the river and you make that first cast and you catch that first fish and then you're tainted for like an hour. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you're going to keep casting, but it ruins you. Yeah. So you, you can't always start big. That's why <laughs> like, <laughs> when I'm when I go out shed hunting like the past two years, my first shed is always a fucking spike and I get all pissed off. But then I always think to myself, I'm like, if I start off with a big shed. It's going to ruin my entire season. Exactly. Um, especially here in New England, um, there's not a lot of big deer. So when you do find a big giant, it's going to ruin your entire season because you, all you're going to want is those big shed after big shed after big shed. So if you work your way up to it, you feel a little bit better. Yeah, you feel accomplished yeah, instead of sure. coming out with the first little ones and using them as dog to- chew toys. Oh, man, no, I can never do that. My mom always is on me. She's like, Trav, can I get a dog? Chew two toy, and I'm like, no, I spent fucking days in the woods looking for these things. I'm not gonna give them to you so the dog can chew on them. It doesn't work like like that, ma. So I always roadkill one and I'll give her one. There you go. (laughs) But well, you know what the nice thing about all the miles are though? What's that? It gets you in shape for a little bit of that running gun come here in a couple of weeks. Oh my god, I cannot wait. I'm not finding bone, but I can tell you right now, I will go for miles when them chuckleheads start screaming. Yeah, man. How's what's the scene down there? What's it looking like? What do we got to look forward to? <laughs> well, during our hike, we probably kicked up, I don't know, between 15 and 20 turkeys just randomly up on the top of the mountain where we, you know, we don't even hunt them up there. Right. And everywhere we went. You know, you usually find some scratches here, some scratches there. The entire hillside looked like somebody had just taken a rake and just raked out 70-yard paths 15 feet wide. Hell yeah. I mean. I'm pumped. They're there. They're going, and and we got some freaking, some studs. There are a couple that we saw. Their beards are dragging, man. Hell yeah, dude. That's nothing better than that. I mean, Oh, it's going to be fun, dude. Yeah. And it's been like one of those. So today, this morning, uh, when I left the house early, uh, I saw one of the flocks in the neighborhood uh, that we normally chase here. Um, There was a couple of big toms, a couple of jakes and a couple of hens. And he was already strutting, chasing the hens around. Um, And as a lot of you guys might know, uh, when I went out scouting on some 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 land near me, a piece of private that I hunt there they were fighting they were fucking locked that up that was a cool ass up. video dude so i'll go through that real quick um i hiked in there i was actually shed hunting uh and turkey scout and i wanted to see if they were scratching on this one ridge where we actually where they roost and um so i got in there and they were and i was like oh holy shit and i can hear them kind of calling you know they were like kind of like putting popping um, and I was like, what the fuck is that? So I kind of went over the ridge and I start going down towards the stone wall near the field and I can see them fighting and I'm like, no shit. So I kind of like, there was one other Tom, it, there was three of them for what I could see. And one of them took off and flew off the ridge and took off when he seen me and the other two stayed there. So I kind of stay back and I start to film 
And I was like, oh, no shit. I'm like, you know what? I got good footage now. So I'm going to try and move in on him. And I was probably 30 yards at that point. So I start to move in and I get up to about 15, 20 yards. I start filming again. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so badass. So I got really good footage again. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I said, I'm going to go even closer. So they're still going at it. And I got even closer to them. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. I got within, dude, that video, I'm probably you were on five top yards of from him. Yeah, that oh, was nuts. All my buddies were like, you should have grabbed him. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> so that that's going to go over real well. But to no watch kidding. them fight, I have so much footage of it, man. Um, and watching them at five yards, dude, they're just locked, beaked up, fighting, kicking each other, flaring. And a lot of it was within five yards of me, man. And to see it was just so cool to just watch them go at it, man. That's not something you normally see. Um, and a lot of people were saying that that's something that they've never seen before. And I was like, that's fucking badass. I got footage of it. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, so, man. That'll definitely get you ramped up for the season. So that, I mean, to me, that would be them showing dominance at this point. Um, getting to that point where they're going to start finding out who's yeah, setting that pecking, pecking order. order. Exactly. And it honestly, it scares the hell out of me because there's nothing worse than opening day and the birds are hinned up. Yeah, I get I, I a little like, nervous. I like catching them in that pecking order, you know, just as they're establishing it quite or just before the uh, the hens really knock down and really get to business. You know, they just tend to be a little funner. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, unless it goes the other way where they are, they've already hit up a bunch of hens and now they're starting to spread out um and yeah. then it's going to be fire so it's going to be more like late season for us exactly in the beginning of the season um so because last year this is what happened and they were mating a little bit earlier and then by the time we were able to get on them um they were already henned up so they were in in that transition where they were already on those hens and not looking for the next hen they had just gotten henned up and uh that made it for a little bit tough time for us here anyways last year um, so it was until not until mid season until we we're actually able to lock and load and get on some serious birds. So wow. hopefully it's a little bit in the later time. Yeah, it'll work. Well, um, we probably ought to put ourselves on pause before we get too deep down the turkey hole. And uh, yeah, I agree. Roll back into talking a little bit more sheds with someone who has a pretty good a scenario going. <laughs> A clue. <laughs> That's a good word for it. Other than us just walking around the woods trying to find antlers. He's actually got tools, tips, and tactics for the job. And special, special tools. Indeed. Well, uh, let's get him on the line. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. We've missed something pretty important here. We, we've, what's we, what's we, that? We need to touch base on a couple of people that uh, make this all possible. Oh, the important people. Yeah, the actual important people, not us. The important oh. people. Oh, I almost forgot about them. Who All right, do we want I to guess lead so. off with. Um, of course, Mr. Maki Mock. Maki Mock. Nor'easter From... game calls. Get him in close. You know what I like about those though? He this he's got a perfect situation right now with this uh wonderful uh zombie thing going on with the coronavirus. Yep. A lot of people are going to be stuck at home and can go out in the woods and learn how to blow a turkey call or run a turkey call or a duck call or a elk call or a grunt tube or a grunt tube or a rabbit call. Exactly. 
So and not even that. Turkey season's right around the corner, and he is about to release some of. He just potentially there was something on there that was half wood, half acrylic. Did you see that? I did, and man, that thing looks cool. And it I can't, screams. I can't wait to run that thing. It's going to sound awesome. Absolutely. You can check them out at NoreasterGameCalls.com. And keep yourself entertained while you're locked down with the coronavirus. <laughs> with the corona. Hold the line. Who else do we got? Oh, next on the list is Wicked Twisted Bowstrings. Yes, sir. Get Jillified up at Trader Jan's in Massachusetts. You can check her out at Wicked Twisted Bowstrings on Facebook. And the nice thing about that is it's not just a plain Jane string. Plain Jane. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make your bow match. Make it nice and pretty and functional. So top of the line, check them out. There's nothing wrong with that. Who else we got? So we got to put a little pop out there for Broadside Camo and the new Ascender series. Pop out. Broadside Camo. So. Oh, and they have the Versa series. They do. And the closers. For your early season turkey hunting. That's right. Versable. I mean, what's better than going, I need some thick green for the green. Oh, crap, we're in a field. Flip it over. And now I've got some perfect lowland leaf, grass bottom coverage. All in the same garment. Pretty and there's useful. something. Yeah, I mean, it's the innovative side of the camo with the Ascender series. Wait, which side's innovative? The inside or the outside? Uh, both sides. I guess it would be in this case, wouldn't it? Yep. Awesome. The heavy hitters. Oh, no, that's ethics archery. Ooh, there you go. I see what you did there. <laughs> Hit him make, hard. Hit him high. Making the Watch children arrows, uh, adult arrows, one arrow at a time. That's right. You can get your spinning insert series for all you decappers. Yeah, it is that time of year, man. It is. I'm loving it. And make sure that when you're about to check out that you punch in the promo code Outdoor Drive 10 to save yourself 10% off of Ethics Archery. So basically, you, you can buy 10 and get one free. Yeah, exactly. And if you really are feeling risky, I'll give you Hoss's number and you can learn yourself something. <laughs> Take a notepad and pencil with you. It's going to be a long talk. Probably going to need two. It's a good point. I'm, just, I'm warning you now because he's going to fill your head with facts. Facts. <laughs> Awesome. So now can we get on with the good guy? Yeah, I think we should. I think now's a good time to uh, shed some light on the current part of the season. Whoa. Yeah, you see what I did there? I did. <laughs> I smelt it. <laughs> Wait, did you use the wax or the liquid form? Ooh, you saw what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, that was pretty slick. All right, listen up now, guys. Back on the phone with... A uh, very special guest here that I'm really excited, especially this time of year. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Brock Spears. I'm from southeastern Ohio. I uh, own a Shed Reapers page, a 
all American antler hounds, um, former member of shed heads, uh, all around antler junkie. Yeah. You're an antler (laughs) junkie, man. That's awesome. So, so I guess let's, let's turn this key and let's really get this thing underway here. Um, where, where did, where did, where did you start getting into shed hunting? Like what, what, what started you off in this whole entire journey of shed hunting? Well, you know, it, it probably started close to 40 years ago. Um, I'm one of the old guys, I guess now, and <laughs> it's kind of a hard thing to say, but, uh, my dad was a bow hunter and around this area, when he started bow hunting, there was maybe a handful of guys that did it. There were 10 to 12 guys that were really hardcore bow hunters. And, um, of course I, I rode my dad's coattails for a while and he drug me through the woods as a little boy. And I think I found my first set of shed antlers when I was eight years old. And, uh, of course it's all downhill from there. <laughs> um, deep hole. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I hunted, I've, I've hunted shed antlers for years and then here about eight, nine years ago, I kind of got into the dog game and it really snowballed after that. I really got, got really ate up with it. And of course I'm just, I've got a whole house full of antlers and three dogs now and we go all over the place and have a great time with it. What what made you get into the whole shed dog thing? Like what what? How did that you know, it, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, was, we always kind of struggled. You know, finding them and and of course I've I've learned a lot over the years just by hunting by myself. But you know, I'd read articles in magazines about people hunting antlers, dogs, and I thought, oh, you know, that'd be that'd be really cool if we could do something like that and. I ended up getting this half lab, half golden retriever dog, and I actually had got the dog for my mother-in-law, and it turned out that she didn't want it. And I thought, well, fine. If if you're not going to take this dog, I'm going to train to hunt shed antlers. And everybody laughed at me, and I was one of the first people around this part of my area to ever ever have a dog that actually would pick up antlers and um so I worked with that dog every day for a solid year, training her how to how to find shed antlers. In our first season, she found thirty five antlers, mm. which was which was pretty crazy, you know. And of course, it it just went completely nuts after that, and I'm completely ate up with it, of course. And I could send you guys some crazy pictures of my house of. <laughs> I bet. Right. walk me so, through some of that uh training you went through because i know my mind's gone around it a lot about what it would take to take a dog and train him and get him up to do this and con- trying to compare that versus a buying a train shed dog for yeah. instance so well it, it really boils down to a lot of persistence and desire to you know to uh be successful and uh certain dogs have more drive to make their their people happy and you know i just started out playing fetch with it in the house and and we moved outside and just kept getting a little more difficult and a little more difficult and then started hiding them and then taking her places and dropping them overnight and coming back and having her find those ones and then just 
every day in the field when the season came along, you know, it was just, it got to the point where the dog wouldn't let me not go. And that was really good for me because it, it really, it really tuned me into the whole, whole deal. I mean, being with the dog and working the dog is, is probably the best. You can have somebody train a dog for you, but if you sit at home and don't hunt that dog, you're not going to gain a thing by whatever anybody's ever taught that dog. Right. And that's something I was thinking about on my end is, you know, shed season's not a very long season. So I'm assuming you're having to keep up with that throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, we, we work a little bit in the summertime and, you know, these dogs, we play fetch with them on a regular basis. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend, she's, she hides antlers for them out in the fields and stuff. And, and, you know, every once in a while we work for them, but they stay pretty brushed up on it. Um, it's funny. I have a whole house full of antlers and these dogs don't pay attention to any of the antlers that are laying around this house. And, That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I, I, I buy some elk chunks off of a good friend of mine and let him chew on those. But, um, you know, you'd think as, as, you know, much as these dogs identify with antlers, they'd be pulling these antlers off of the shelves and out of these baskets on the floor and out of the corners where I got them piled up and everywhere else. But they literally pay no attention to the antlers. They know what's theirs and they know what's mine. That's really good to know that, honestly, because that was one of my biggest things. So I had a, um, I had a black and tan hound that I used to shed hunt with, but I had to give him up for stupid reasons. Um, but now I have a Brittany Spaniel, and I used to bird hunt with her constantly, and she's very well trained for it. Um, but I don't really do it. I'm more into the, the deer hunting and the turkey hunting and not really into the upland hunting um, as much as I was before. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to train her to do this and play with her with the antlers and so on and so forth. But I'm so nervous of her having all of my shed antlers or not even that, but I do European mounts. So grabbing a customer's European mount off of the shop table or whatever the case may be and destroying it. So they literally won't grab an antler at all. No, I, I've literally is that something never that you trained them. No, no. Uh, they just seem to know. Um, and you know, I do, European mounts as well. Probably in the last several years, I've done a couple hundred of them, and I've never had one of my dogs mess with any of that stuff. Um, now, I have some antlers, some older antlers and stuff that I put in the flower beds, like moose antlers and stuff, and I got this this uh, fox red female, and she like, likes to grab stuff that's outside, but other than that, I, I've really not had any problems. Wow, and so what are the techniques that you use like when you're in the woods? Like I know like a regular shed hunter you would use with the sun to your back and then you go onto the terrain and so on and so forth. When you're hunting with a dog, is it is it any different of an approach when you go into the woods with a shed dog? The the main difference is we like to work the wind. Okay. Um, you know, that is that is very important when it comes to shed dogs. Um now antler dogs work off of sight as well but you know that nose is what makes what separates them from the people you know and and uh 
say you have a, a shed dog, if you if he finds two or three great antlers that you would have never ever found or seen, your season's made. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I see a lot of these antlers that the dogs pick up, but there's a lot of them that I don't see and probably would have never seen without the dogs. So you just it's a, just another tool at that point sure. when it comes to shed hunting. Absolutely. And that's crazy. So so they're actually using the wind and not I would never have thought of that and I don't think a lot of people would. So it's not really like a so so your whole entire game changes completely when you're when you're approaching a piece of property. Sure. I mean we we like to use the wind. Um of course wind blowing in your face and dogs are more likely to catch catch a scent of an antler that way. So when you're training them, are you training them with like, and I don't want to go back too far, but like when you're training them, are you training them with like the scent that you would buy like from the store with a plastic? Sure. You know, without, without advertising for a lot of people, you know, I, I use, I use some training scent and, um, there's several wax, wax and liquid scents out there on the market. And I think they're all pretty good and they're all based on the, you know the same the same lines you know um but you know we use wax scents and uh they tend to stick the antler a little more and it's i think i feel that those are more of a natural type scent that that would be on an antler um of course it sticks to the antler better than the liquid and um of course, if I was to smell it or you were to smell it, you couldn't smell a thing, but dogs can identify it. And I mean, it's, it's really incredible what, what the dogs are capable of. That's, in, that's, that's insane to me. It's, it's crazy. So, so do you only use them for whitetails or do you use them for other stuff too? Oh, uh, we go all over. Uh, um, I go up North and we hunt moose paddles. Uh, I've been to Kentucky and found elk antlers. Um, We've been out west, found some mule deer and white dale, and and uh, I mean we go everywhere. Uh, years ago, I would have never thought that I'd be a traveling shed hunter, but I live for it every year. What gives you that drive to go to go out there and shed hunt? Like, what is that drive for you? Well, I love antlers. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. I get it. I mean, now, every you... every there's there's not a one of them the same, and and it's really snowballed to the point of me is I used to be a really really uh, hardcore bow hunter, and I've slid out of that more into the shed shed antler realm just because I like it more. Um. I don't get me wrong. I still love to hunt deer and, but, uh, I just, I think it's one of those things as I've gotten older, I just don't get as much pleasure out of killing things. And I, I know that's not why we're all in it, but I, you know, I, this way I don't have to kill them. I can shoot a doe and eat her every year and, and not have to worry about killing a, a beautiful antler deer when I can pick up his antlers three and four years in a row. And, you know, I, I just get a lot more of enjoyment out of that. Now, 
do you do anything with the antlers? Like, do you do carvings? Do you do anything <laughs> like that? No, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that do, but mostly they are just piled and hanging all over my house. It's kind of disgusting. Really. <laughs> I, think, I think that's it. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of us have that dream of having hundreds of antlers all over the house. So that's actually a, a bonus thing. Um, what, what is the biggest whitetail antler that you found? What's that? I mean, do you measure them? Do you measure them? Oh, yeah. Like, which, or, or like, you know, so what is the biggest yeah, we, whitetail antler that you found? Uh, my biggest whitetail is like 79 and six eights or, wow. or something like that. Um, I'm, I've been trying to break that, that 80 inch mark for, for years and I haven't been able to do it. Um, I've got several antlers over 70 inches, but uh, I've never really been able to break that 80 inch mark, but it's going to come. Oh, it's definitely going to come. <laughs> Especially as much time as you spend in the woods, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, one can only hope. Uh, I, yeah. I've got some, I've got some pretty impressive stuff laying around here, but you know, it's, you know, I think that 80 inch mark is just kind of the, the benchmark and, I mean, we're right there on the edge of it. We just haven't been able to break over it yet. So I guess I guess we'll wind it down just for, just a little bit here for a second because I want to get into it a little bit more because not everyone has a shed dog. So is there like some tips and tricks that you could give regular people that are shed hunters like a little bit of insight on like what they would do, like newer shed hunters going into the woods and how they would approach something to try and find antlers? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things, you know, we, we, uh, of course, everybody will tell you, you know, food, bedding and everything in between. And when a guy hears that, they think, well, holy crap, that's everywhere, you know, but you, you learn to kind of clue into what works and what doesn't over the years. I tend to pay a lot of attention to, to transition areas, uh, you know, uh, edges of grassy fields and edges of agriculture and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you, you learn to pay attention to travel routes and where more deer tend to winter and, and, and things like that. And I, I like to focus on cloudy days and rainy days because it just makes anglers easier to spot. And, you know, a guy can walk a deer trail for a hundred miles and he may never find an antler. You know, but if you think about it, those those deer trails that you see go through the woods, the bucks are usually 30, 40 yards off the to the side of those trails, you know. Um, and I, I, I think another thing that a person needs to focus on is maybe not look for a whole antler, but just look for like two inches of an antler. And when you start looking, looking smaller, you'll find more stuff. I agree with you there. I've had a couple people ask me this year that are, you know, going out for their first time and they're having a hard time. I mean, they could literally step on it and not realize it until they're there and explain it to them that you've got to look for the curve of that beam or, you know, just a couple of points sticking up over some grass or just that end, you know, just little pieces that don't fit the surroundings. Right, absolutely. It's like once you find that first one and you get your eye for it, then you just start seeing them. 
I kind of like to compare it to mushroom hunting a little bit. A lot of guys mushroom hunt. And around this area, they hunt morels and stuff. And once you get an eye for it, it, it everything just kind of seems to fall into place. You have to definitely get that eye for it because it, cause it's not an easy thing. Like some days I'm like, I'm hiking through the woods and I, and you're just like, oh, shit, I, I, I just can't get that eye for it. And then you pick up one and it seems like every single one just comes right after another. But if you don't have that eye for like the beginning of the season, you're like, I got to find something, just some piece of bone so that my eye can collect to it. Um, and it's not it's not an easy an easy task by any means. Well, I, I mean, it, it takes, it takes, yeah, I think it's, I think it's something a guy learns to do, you know, and it's funny, you know, nowadays I, I drive down the road and I'll see one out of the corner of my eye driving 60 miles an hour and stop and turn around back up. And, yes, sir. And I, you know, I find him from the road all the time. And it's, it's definitely gotten easier over the years, but on the other hand, there's a lot more people doing it, which makes it tougher. So, I, and it's it's like being a kid and you see a deer in the woods. You're driving down the road and you can see a deer real easy because you're always looking for them and you're constantly looking for them when you're as a hunter. So I guess it's I don't know, but as a shed hunter, it's probably easier as the years go on to see these things constantly and finding them and seeing what you're. Yeah, I think I think that you gain an eye for that kind of stuff. Um, course these days there's a lot more competition out here you know a lot more people picking up antlers um you know we got rabbit hunters picking them up now and everything else and, and of course people buying and selling's made that made made that a little more tough and you made know that market. I, 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 I literally don't know anybody that wouldn't walk by an antler and see one and not pick one up. You haven't had to spend any time in Northern Virginia, have you? <laughs> they no, don't know I, what they are up there. I, I haven't, but I, from what I, I know, it's not a great place to pick up antlers. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's wild. Some of the places that driving around up there, so I'm on the western side of the state out in the Shenandoah Valley. And when I do have to go up around there and you see some of those wooded lots throughout that whole, we'll just call it one big city, there are some gigantic deer in there. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody up there looks. Oh, boy. I'd like to find a place where nobody looks. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've not seen a post or a picture or a, I ain't heard a whisper of anybody talking about finding bone out in some of these woodlots out there. Yeah. I, I don't see many posts from Virginia to be honest with you. Well, we don't have too many big ones, but you know, an average year here, not, a, not counting this year is, uh, you know, I'll usually pull 40 or 50 bones this year. We're still holding right now. We're not finding anything. Yeah, it's. I think it's that way everywhere. Everywhere, man. It's it's crazy the amount of deer that are holding antlers right now. Um, I I've seen groups of six and seven deer around that are still carrying antlers, and normally we're at eighty to ninety percent drop right now, and I'm thinking we're maybe at forty. Jeez. Well, it's it's good to hear from you and be reassured that I'm not just crazy. 
because I was starting <laughs> to feel that way. It's been a rough. It's been a rough year. I mean, it, it really has. This has been one of the toughest years I've had picking up antlers. I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to. I actually just traveled to Illinois here a couple of weeks ago and picked up one freaking antler out there. And, but I seen thirty or forty deer carrying antlers on their heads, so it was it was a pretty rough trip. And, um. And- you're fixing to do another trip soon, right? Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to head out to Iowa, and uh, we're going to stay out there for a week, and hopefully it'll, it'll turn our season around a little bit. Um, you know, the main thing for me is just to get new ground under my feet every year and have fun with it. Um, you know, once a guy starts getting wrapped up and getting butthurt about not finding what he usually finds, once you take the fun out of it, it's – you you're not enjoying it anymore. And I've had fun with this for, you know, for a long, long time. So I'm not ready to give it up quite yet. Yeah. And that's a great point you touch on right there though, is it's not something that no matter what tool, whatever situation you have, you're not always going to find stuff. And if you do give up, you're certainly never going to find anything. So yeah, and dogs aren't the magic ticket. You know, a lot of people think that dogs might be the magic ticket. And if you take a dog in somewhere where there aren't any antlers, then you're not going to find any antlers. Exactly. Um, um, you still got to walk that ground and everything else. You know, the, like you said, the dogs are just another tool to help make you more more successful. And, and, if if you go through a season and the dog picks up two or three that you would have never found on your own, you're winning. So, um, plus you get the companionship of that dog, and to me that's hard to beat. Oh, definitely. Especially when you're going into the woodshed hunting by yourself, and it's just nice to have somebody. At least your at least your shed partner at that point is not going to tell anybody where you were. <laughs> right that's a great point you know because for us honestly here in connecticut man it's getting to that point and you i you keep hitting the nail on the head is that there's just a ton more people shed hunting and a lot more people are starting to enjoy the sport and it and it's great and i get it and i understand it but for some of the guys that have been doing it for a while they're getting very frustrated and there's been a couple of local wars here um there was one recently this past weekend um of one guy got real pissed because he said, I got four years with that deer and you just ruined it because you got his set. And it's like, you know something, man, you just took the enjoyment out of it for yourself. Because you're, what does it matter, man? Like enjoy it. Like the guy happened to be a new shed hunter. He found the ground. It's public land. You went on it. He found the antlers and he's enjoying the sport and it gets another man out there and enjoying it. What does it matter? You know, Shake his um, hand, congratulate him. Right. I mean, there's too many people in this world trying to stop hunters. So I think we all need to stick together. It's, sure, it may be frustrating, but you know, the more people are out there walking, it ensures that this sport's going to survive. So, and that's that's important to me. That's important to my children. And that's important to my grandchildren. So. For sure. Take it however you want to take it. Oh, exactly. 
So one thing I'm curious of, and this is for me looking down the road because I've got some elderly pups, and once they go, I'm a big fan of if I'm going to have a dog, it's got to have a purpose. You know, I'm not a lap dog kind of guy. I uh, grew up with healers and catahoulas and, you know, cattle dogs. So say someone was looking at picking up a young pup and training him for this, what would your best advice be for him? Well, I mean, labs are pretty much the way to go. Um, they just have that that want to please their, their owner. I mean, and you can generally tell within – four or five months if that dog's got natural ability or not um now from my experience once a dog hits about three or four years old you're getting right in in there where they're in their prime and they're probably going to be good for a number of years after that as long as they hold up physically you know um and that all boils down to feeding them good food and keeping them in shape and, you know, working with them regularly. I mean, just like any tool, you got to maintain it. Sure. It, and so my question is, so you have the, you have, um, you have a shed dog business, right? You Well, I, I have a page and I've, I've trained some dogs from other, for other people and stuff. And it's, it's not really a business. I mean, um, I train dogs on occasion, um, but I'm more just willing to help other people get into the sport. Um, I've, I've helped a lot of guys along the way and, and, uh, you know, gave them pointers on how to work with their dogs and had them come out and work their dogs with me. And, you know, this is just all, all for, uh, just helping other people, um, I've made a lot of friendly relationships out of, out of this out of this game, and hopefully that kind of stuff continues. I'm, I mean, a lot of people come to my house every year to stay, and of course I travel all over the country and have been pretty fortunate to walk some of the most beautiful ground in the United States. But you know, I I just hope hope it continues. That's awesome. So what do you what do you actually do on your nine to five then? I'm an operations supervisor at a bearings plant. Oh, that's pretty cool. What 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 do they make the bearings for? Uh, cruise ships, airplanes, uh, locomotives. Um, I mean, we have a lot of big customers that you've probably heard of, like GE and yep, and uh, uh, Rolls Royce and. Uh, Electromotive diesel. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I thought I thought that you were you were full. Just I thought you had the dogs and everything like that. I mean, as much well, as you know, you know that's a, that's a goal. <laughs> and I, you know, I have made a little bit of money training dogs, but you know, I'm hoping to retire in the next year or so. And if oh, I awesome. do, if I do do that, I, I will probably spe- be spending a lot more time hands on with dogs. I mean, that's that's my passion. So awesome. So what made you start the shed reaper page? <laughs> well, um, that's kind of a long story. Um, 
some some friends of mine. Uh, um, we were all a bunch of us were in the front end of the whole uh, Shedheads page, which blew up and got gigantic, and there was a big conflict in us, and we had a big falling out, and so um, a few of us went our own direction, and that's where Shed Reapers came out of. Um, same same bunch of guys, you know, just different ideals and more about having fun and helping other people. All about the antlers, not about the bullshit. Um, That's awesome. You know, just just a, just a bunch of friends doing what we love. Outstanding, man. And that's and that's the importance of it. That's the importance of it because a lot of people and social media in itself, man, is it's it's the root of all evils in this whole hunting industry, in my opinion. Um, because it it inflicts a lot of wars between individuals that shouldn't have wars between each other. Um, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. So to have pages like that, that are safe havens, we'll call them. Um, so people can go on there and that there's no conflict and the guys that are in it for the greater good and not for, you know, the bullshit. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, uh, really, uh, turned into kind of a cutthroat game. It's sad. You know, a lot of us were just in it for the fun of it, and some people are just in it for the money and the personal gain, and that's not what it's about. Like, so so for the money and stuff because they're selling them? Is that why? Well, you know, people digging to get sponsors, and a lot of these guys will get sponsors for shit they don't even use, and... You know, I'm not going to promote anything unless it it's something I use on a day to day to day basis. You know, it's just these guys will hit these companies up and try to get every little thing they can squeeze out of these people, and it may be something that they have no use for whatsoever. However, they're getting something for free, and that's all it means to them. And. They're not in it for the love of what it's really all about. Well, it may have started like that, but greed kind of takes over, it seems like. So what exactly does the Shed Reaper page do? Like, what is it? Just explain to everybody. Personal personal finds and, and, uh, you know, just support fellow outdoorsmen, you know. we're all here for the cause. We're here to answer questions. We're here to help people out. You know, just enjoy it. Um, we're not here for any kind of personal game. We're ju- we we're just here because we love it. Yeah, and that's that's really important, honestly. So, is there something that you want to leave the people with when it comes to shed hunting? Anything that you want to you know just let them know? Well. <sighs> You know, there's not an antler on this earth worth losing a friendship over. I mean, it's it's hard to lose sight of that. And there can get a lot of personal feelings wrapped up in a piece of bone, but it's it's in the end, it's really not worth it. Um, just enjoy yourself and have a good time and have fun. Make friends and enjoy enjoy the wilderness. I mean, that's what it's all about. 
You bet. <laughs> For sure. And I think that that kind of starts to get lost and and it's it's ridiculous, man. For sure. And and I, I could I could only imagine how many friends that you've actually made with doing this. Well, it's it's really unbelievable. Like I say, I've I've got to walk some of the most incredible places on this planet as far as I'm concerned and I feel very lucky and fortunate. What are some of these places that you've actually hiked? I I, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Only the dog can tell you. <laughs> Only the dog. That's why he has a dog as a shed hunting partner. That's right. I mean, but, come on. But, you know, I, I've got a I've got a house full of moose antlers and. Uh, a guy from Ohio shouldn't have that. And, uh, yeah. What made you and, get uh, into that? What What made you go up there and do that? Like the dogs actually find the, those? Well, yeah, the dogs find them. I mean, I, I've just made friends over the years. And, I've, you know, it's just I saw pictures and I thought, man, I'd really love to do that. And got talking to some guys. And the next thing you know, we're doing it. And. You know, it's it's just kind of living the dream, and it's it's a great thing. That's I mean, that's that's incredible. So I've never found uh, a moose paddle, and this is going to be my first year going up to uh, the Allagash. I'm going to go up there and and actually try and find a moose antler. Um, I, I bet you find one. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they say, man. They say that it's it's a blast up there. So we're going the first week of May, um, and we're going to go up there and hike and hopefully find a moose antler uh, i hope you i hope you have some good luck i know some guys that spend some time up there and they say it's pretty easy they say it's just putting the miles on um that's but, that's what it's all about putting on the miles and just finding them you're right <laughs> i what is what is i just want to hear what what is the most like craziest story that you've ever had that you found in the woods while shed hunting because I know uh, people find crazy things in the woods of shed hunting. So, well, you know, I found I found some crazy stuff, but I, you know, I found I found deadheads on top of sheds before, and really, you know, from where coyotes have drug them around yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, I've about been ran over by moose in the woods. Uh, you know, it's a lot of things. I find find old abandoned houses and stuff and junk laying around in places and uh it it's funny the kind of stuff you find i found a kayak one time way out in the middle of the woods um <laughs> i don't know how in the hell it got there you know, someone was lost i found it <laughs> yeah. it's it's crazy how you can get off the beaten path and you can find the weirdest things and you just are like well how did they even get there and that's right. like the craziest thing when you're out there hiking. Because you, you end up in the middle of nowhere, and you think it's the middle of nowhere, but it may not be the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody once stepped on that land. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Here, sure. Well. I could only I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up for the world. Yeah, I don't blame you there either. Well, Brock, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and visit with us. And uh, we'll say you were shedding some light on the subject. <laughs> All right. Hey, glad someone to, got it. Hey, I, I don't glad, glad to do it. We'll talk to you guys later. We'll definitely, we'll be in touch. And for everyone out there listening, we appreciate it. And thank you for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Okay.